Good day. Welcome to the Corey Morgan Show. This is my weekly, well, it adds up to 45 minutes, but it covers an hour on those cable stations from the Western Standard where I cover the top news items I want to discuss, get some ranting out of the way, and interview interesting people. Today's no exception. I, a little later on, I'm going to have Elise Mills on. She's a strategist and counsel on uh, global public affairs. We're going to talk a bit about the, the latest efforts to basically censor podcasts, live streaming, basically discourse that the government doesn't like. Uh, so yes, those of you watching live, use that comment scroll. Guys, I see Mr. Stanley was there fast, saying present and paradoxy. Get in there, send those comments to me, questions, things for the guest. Again, like I say, I don't always read them all out on the show, but I do see them all there and I appreciate it. It helps keep things flowing and that and I, I see some interesting concepts going on. Sometimes just make sure to keep it civil. We don't have to be at each other's throats. That's my job. So I'm going to get on the throat of some things. And uh, oh, yeah, uh, since I was brought up by Paradox, he's saying a great interview with James Lindsay yesterday. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, James Lindsay was on. Look on the YouTube uh, archives. He was here. We had a good talk for a little while on the Save Our Children thing. He's been touring Alberta and he did a huge event in Calgary last night, actually. So check that out after this show, of course. So I'm going to start, though, on... Uh, yeah, the, the, the latest thing from the CRTC, the registry. I'm going to talk about what uh, used to be one of my favorite radio hosts, Howard Stern. Howard Stern's show, it was a radio powerhouse in the 1990s. I mean, he gored sacred cows in the United States and his shock jock style of performing it. I mean, it changed the way radio morning shows were done all the way around the world. And I mean, while opponents were trying their hardest to cancel him in the U.S., it only brought him more attention and made his brand even more powerful. He crushed competing DJs across the USA, and his show syndication seemed unstoppable. He would just absorb fines for profanity from the SEC, and he'd just keep expanding his reach. Things changed, though, when he brought his show to Canada. Yes, in 1997, some people might not remember it, particularly out west, but two radio stations in Canada, one in Montreal and one in Toronto, picked up his show and started broadcasting it. And Stern's brand of humor, which included everything from, yeah, fart jokes to having women simulate orgasms over the air, was welcomed by many lis listeners and reviled by many others. But, I mean, it did work. The ratings and market share for both of those Canadian stations expanded quickly. People wanted something fresh in radio, and he brought it. But then Stern committed Canadian blasphemy. He made fun of Quebec. That was it. He crossed the line that was too far. It doesn't matter how many dildos or odd things he might want to talk about on his show you don't criticize Quebec. So the reaction was immediate. Complaints from thin-skinned Quebecers flooded into the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council and, of course, further to the uh, CRTC, the Canadian Radio Television uh, Commission. Stern was threatened with the cancellation, of course, if he didn't back down. And in typical Stern fashion of the time, he offered a middle finger to the Canadian regulators in response. So despite the high ratings on the radio stations hosting his show, they were forced to drop him under threats of CRTC action. It didn't last very long north of the border. See, in Canada, the concept of letting consumers decide what they want to watch or hear all by themselves isn't considered a right. The Canadian way is to have the state carefully cultivate and control what our eyes and ears are exposed to, and the CRTC is the enforcement arm of that. The CRTC, see, they didn't go after Stern himself. Stern didn't care. He would have told him to get stuffed. They would have targeted the platforms that hosted him. They couldn't make Stern shut up, but they could pull the broadcast licenses for the stations that gave them airtime. Does that sound familiar yet? Yeah. The CRTC, they've long wanted to control the internet. It's driven them mad for a long time. I mean, the organization is authoritarian by nature. 
As the digital world of communication has expanded, the CRTC has desperately wanted to find a way to get the internet under its grasp. Well, Bill C-11 from the Trudeau Liberals has finally given the CRTC that tool they seek. Now, the CRTC is a dinosaur of an institution, but it did learn some things. It learned from past experiences. Canada has tens of thousands of content creators, and many of them are saying things that the government would rather they didn't, like me. It'd be impossible, though, to try and register and chase down every one of those podcasters, streamers, and so on, those creators out there. So what the CRTC is doing is the next best thing. They're going after the service providers. You see, podcast audiences for the individuals can range anywhere from a few dozen listeners and viewers to millions of people. But one commonality among the podcasters is they have their content hosted by large internet service providers. It's the only way really to attain broad reach and the content creator doesn't have to do the technical investment of self-hosting and, and trying to get the algorithms and get out there. So basically the CRTC is doing the equivalent of what they did with Stern. They're going after the hosts. And if the host gets pulled and a podcaster loses hosting services, the podcast dies on the vine. Liberal apologists are dismiss dismissing these latest regulations from the CRTC, you know, to register uh, streaming hosts uh, and saying it's irrelevant because it only applies to hosts with over $10 million in revenue. And that's true. The problem is, though, almost every podcaster is dependent on being hosted by providers who have over $10 million in revenue. If the providers later compelled to regulate the content to the creators, there'd be little that either party is going to be able to do to stop it. I mean, if the platform has its license pulled in Canada, it can be blocked from broadcasting in the country. If the creator, of course, loses their platform, they're out of luck too. So that broadcast is done. My show, it's already under the CRTC regulations as we're broadcast on a couple of cable channels. But a large portion of our audience finds the show, of course, through streaming services such as Spotify, Rumble, iTunes, etc. If the Western Standard lost the ability to put content on those platforms, this show's finished. I mean, how do I get to you? The new regulations from the CRTC put streaming services under their thumb and puts the job of policing the content into the lap of the platforms. It's an insidious backdoor way to control content. And what problems being solved with these new regulations anyways? How have unregulated podcasters and streamers disrupted society so much that we needed new legislation for government to control their content? Of course, independent content producers haven't disrupted society. They have been a thorn in the government's side though, as they'll focus on issues that the subsidized cowardly legacy media outlets are afraid to touch. The government can't buy the love of independent media as it has with legacy media, so it's resorting to try and control it instead. The government's attempt to shake down Meta and Google with Bill C-18 backfired, and it harmed Canadian media, at least independent media. They're just going to subsidize the rest of them otherwise. Their attempts to control content through C-11 and the CRTC, though, might succeed, and the loss of freedom is going to be immeasurable. The Trudeau liberals have always had an authoritarian streak, and this move isn't surprising. It's terribly dangerous, though. These kind of controls can be difficult to remove even when governments change. I, you know, the next one coming in might kind of like having that control over what people can say or can't say when they get in there. We can't let this sort of thing entrench itself. The earlier we fight this, the better. Canadians need to stand up to this creeping control of their ability to communicate while they still can. Because, of course, the harder it gets to get, communicate, the harder it gets to organize against it. And rest assured, the registry, as with firearms, is just the beginning. All right, that's what's got me wound up today, guys. This, this issue is a lot bigger than a lot of people give it credit to. Of course, the media, the mainstream media has been really quiet on it, right? Self-serving pussies. But what do you expect out of them? Uh, they want us to go away. They want the upstarts to leave. They don't want to see independent outlets eating their lunch. Well, too bad. Too bad. You guys 
lost the battle and it's just uh, animating a corpse at this point. All right, let's get on to a former legacy media guy, but now he's in on the right side of things. And that's our news editor, Dave Naylor, uh, covering what's important out there. How's it going, Dave? Hey, Corey. It's, uh, it's good to be on the right side uh, for once of history. Uh, so, I think we have a bit of a, just a bit of communication problem with Dave there. We'll see if we reboot and can hear him again there. Let's try that again, Dave. Yeah, you keep freezing on me here, Corey, but we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll plow ahead. Uh, uh, well, uh, looks like uh, due to technical issues, maybe the CRT is sneaking in and meddling with our uh, internet lines over here. Uh, I'm afraid we'll have to maybe pass on the news check-in today. There's lots going on out there uh, and, and, and lots to cover. Uh, again, see, being the smaller outlets, we, we have to get by with uh, what we got. Paradoxy, you have the worst connection in your own offices. Yeah, I'm not sure that we just get the occasional uh, hang-up going on in here. I'll still, as uh, Mr. Stanley says, blame the CRTC because uh, they are a, a convenient uh, group to blame on things. But there is a lot going on. Uh, maybe I'll all have a quick look at the Western Standard site. This one I like to remind everybody, too. This is how we stay independent. That's why I nag you guys. We rely on subscribers. This is uh, how we can beat the censors, how we can keep these things going. And that is through subscribing. It's $9.99 a month, guys, $100 a year. It's like a newspaper subscription. And that's how we can keep having these stories. And if we save enough extra money from those subscriptions, we will upgrade our internet service so those new check-ins will come more smoothly in the future, I assure you. Uh, get on there, though, westernstandard.news slash membership if you haven't subscribed already. And if you have, thank you very much. And get on there. We got lots going on, going on there. Uh, one of the interesting ones. This is the stuff. This is the battles. Uh, CBC president. This is the front story I see on the Western Standard page. It says Canada's unsafe for their organization. Yeah, this Tate. You know, they, they, their billion-dollar uh, behemoth uh, of a media organization, the CBC, likes to play victim, and people have been mean to them. They get a lot of hate mail. They get a lot of people calling them out. You know, uh, questioning their coverage. I mean, I have seen some stuff happening at protests, things that I've gone to, and I got to admit, some people have been pretty nasty and abusive to legacy media uh, representatives when they see them there. When, you know, I started seeing later protests, uh, CBC cameras would be there and they wouldn't put their branding on their cameras and things like that to avoid the abuse. I, I, I do say with people, I understand, rest assured, I mean, look at how often I pound on legacy media, but it doesn't call for being violent, for being threatening. Just ignore them. You know, don't give them time. Uh, you know, when they're looking for interviews at those things, just turn away, those sorts of things. But there are some people did get in the face of the reporters, some people getting uh, in the face of the camera people, people who've uh, even, you know, vandalized news trucks I've seen before and things like that. Don't give the, the, the state broadcaster and other media outlets room to play victim. You know, they, they, they thrive on that. If they can show a picture of a bunch of protesters screaming and getting in the faces of their reporters, it actually inspires more control. That gives the excuse to the local authorities to say, you know what, we need more police to shut down these protesters. These guys are clearly extreme. They hold, as we've heard quite often, unacceptable views. So I don't doubt that there really are some, some nasty emails. I'm going to read one later in the show that came to me. Uh, you know, being in this, you get some, some really interesting feedback from people. Uh, but there is no excuse, no matter what the institution, to get threatening with them, 
to get violent with them. And some of that does happen. And meanwhile, so Tate's up there saying, you know, it's unsafe for our organization. Of course, they're already getting one and a half billion of your tax dollars to do what they do. Don't let them try to play victim on top of that and get even more money. I'm just, you know, doing a bit of a call out. I, I, as we, as I've said, I'm certainly no friend or fan to uh, the, the legacy media outlets right now. But uh, let's not make it any easier for them to try and uh, say that they're victims in anything. Uh, this is one more I'll get into, and I, I see Elise getting ready in the lobby there, so we'll get to her pretty quickly and talk some more on censorship. This one was kind of interesting, though. Out of, uh, you know, the, the Christia Freeland's office, uh, asking over and over, uh, people have been asking, what are the debt interest payments, you know, going on right now in, in uh, Ottawa? I mean, this is something the Department of Finance should be able to answer pretty easily, right? You you figure out how much debt you have, you figure out how much interest you have, and you figure out how much you have to pay every month to service it. But they keep saying that uh, they don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? You're running our country. This is a very basic actuarial question. This is a large chunk of our revenues that can be dedicated to programs that we seriously need. This is something to remind people, because this is what brought the crash in the 90s, when realism finally hit with enough voters and taxpayers, and we kind of corrected things, because interest rates were really high, and people started realizing that government budgets were being overwhelmed with interest payments. I mean, come on. If you're paying tax out of pocket, the last thing you want to do is see it flushed on interest. That's money down the toilet. It's not buying you any services. It's not making your life any better. And right now, at least back uh, earlier with one of the updates, it was estimated to be around $44 billion a year in debt service charges. And now, of course, interest rates have only climbed up since, so we know the number's bigger. Other people can look from the outside and figure it might be getting closer to that $50 billion number now, but we don't know because the finance minister won't say. What good are you if you won't even answer that simple sort of question, uh, Madam Freeland? Come on, do a little better than that. You guys are in the toilet in the polls. You're going to have to learn to change something pretty soon. Just hiding isn't working for you, but it does get frustrating. It's our money. Canadians are prone to forgetting that sometimes. It's our money. You have a right to know how they're spending it, what they're doing with it, and not back off when the government refuses to tell you what they're doing with your money. All right. I've been ranting enough. Let's get somebody else on to rant for a little bit. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, she's uh, You've probably seen her on social media a lot. You've seen her on a lot of legacy media in the past as well, but I won't hold that against her. It's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Elise Mills, a strategist and uh, counsel for global public affairs, a consultant, and just kind of have your hands in everything. So, so thanks for joining the show today, Elise. Thanks so much for having me, Corey. It's it's a real pl pleasure. I was looking forward to it all weekend. <laughs> right on. So, I mean, yeah, we we've got quite the the subject to chew on. You know, when it first dropped <laughs> last week, it was hard to tell. It sounded almost like they were going to come after every podcaster and get them to register or possibly shut them down. But no, they're being a little more nuanced. They're going after the hosts. I mean, it'll have the same effect in a way, but it's going to take a little longer. But this is a really, really dangerous turn of events going on with our government right now. I, I know people on social media thought I was being completely extreme when I was saying this, but it reminds me of the stories that my parents would tell me. I have journalists in my family that work in the UK and the United States and had worked in Canada at one point. Uh, for what was then Southern Press, which you might remember, Corey. Um, and one thing that was really concerning to me was that it has echoes of McCarthyism in it. It's, it's guised as uh, the great savior of 
you know, journalism, but what it really is, is a cultural re redefining or a shift. It's meant to follow into what they were looking for way back five years ago when they appointed the media czar. I think what we need to remember is that this has been a piecemeal approach. So your viewers and listeners and readers will probably not remember that in 2017, 2018, uh, right around the election of Trump came Canada's response, which was guised as we are very concerned about certain voices. So we're going to start regulating what you can say and what you cannot say on social media. So we're going to appoint a czar. At that point, it's now it was um, uh, Melanie Jolie, who's now Minister of, uh, of um, uh, Foreign Affairs. And she was our czar of social media. Then you started to hear the rumblings of what they were thinking about and how to control the media, which was, you know, it's a three-pronged approach, Corey. Really, the ultimate goal is to keep the CBC as basically right now what it is, is an outsourced PR firm for the, for the Trudeau government. And I've never seen the CBC quite like this before. Uh, as you know, I spent over a decade uh, as a permanent fixture on the CBC um, as a conservative. So it's about protecting, so some of that legislation was about protecting the CBC, but it was also about quietly, or what I would call the creep of government, melding our minds into what Trudeau saw the country as being. And that's, we really begin with the social media czar. We ramp up to C11. We ramp up to some other pieces of legislation that people have forgotten about uh, that are really pertain to the CBC, uh, pertain to how, uh, what the CBC is allowed to do and what it's, what it's not allowed to do. Uh, the CBC has only lost once in the court uh, at the old CRT. Uh, which was really about uh, what they were trying to produce, which was which was almost like a, a digital print sheet, right? Uh, the Tour Star and National Post and many others won that, uh, you know, thank goodness. But this, what we're seeing now is what I call phase three. And what bothers me most about this is not it is it well several things, Corey, and I and I ranted at you, uh, called you on a Friday night and said, we got to get on top of this. This is insane. Um, is that now this is guised as something that's supposed to help us uh, to sort of shut out what they don't want us to hear, which are these negative voices that have political overturns or undercurrents uh, or, you know, overtones to it. The reality is I don't I want to be in a country where I disagree with people. I do not want to be in a country where we're all saying, yes, that, that, that is absolutely fantastic. I absolutely agree with this mushy middle sort of woke uh, Trudeauism uh, that I think is separate to what the traditional liberal party is. The other part about it is it has a registry. And it reminds me of the McCarthy inquest, right? Where journalists were brought forward for different reasons, um, but it's similar. It was about you jump on my bandwagon, you believe in what I believe in, um, otherwise you're a communist. Well, what Trudeau has said many times, whether it's vaccines or the way he's come about this and it would come towards media and, and public conversations and public debates and freedom of thought in this country, Corey, is are you a conservative? 
And if you are, you're a misogynist, you're an anti-vaxxer, you're, you know, so on and so on and so on. And I mean, he's compared people that have questioned his policies to being Nazis, to being homophobic, to being misogynist, to being people that are racist. This is all part of the plan. That's what I inherently believe, Corey. And no one's going to tell me much different. I am really turned up about this. I think this is a this is not only overreach, this is an abuse of what's supposed to be an independent institution in this country, which is the CRTC, which is to help us navigate the ever-changing media landscape. Uh, and that includes the digital space, and that includes podcasts. And quite frankly, all you're doing is pushing people out. You're not embracing more diverse opinions. So it's government creep. It is a hidden agenda. Absolutely. I've heard many conservatives talk about hidden agendas before. This is really one of the first that I'll say, yeah, this is it. This is a hidden agenda. Absolutely. And he's going to leave a legacy and he's going to bare knuckle this, white knuckle this all the way to him getting kicked out of office. And it's going to take uh, the conservatives years to untie or untangle us from the from the precedents that this legislation or the legislations that we've seen pass forward um, and the regulatory changes that have been made. It's going to take us years because, as you know, Corey, once you take that giant leap forward, it's really hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Well, that's it. And, and Canadians have voted with their eyes and their ears on, on media. The world is changing. The CBC is a dinosaur sitting there taking over a billion a year, plus dipping into the advertising market. Yet their ratings are terrible. There, there's not many people actually consuming their content. But rather than change their content, what the government wants to do is take away the alternatives. And that's the competition gets odious. Yes. And, and I, mean, I, I get frustrated. I've seen you on X, you know, Twitter talking about the people saying, oh, it's just the ones that make 10 million a year or more. No, 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 no. That's where they start. And then those it, are the hosts that yeah. those are the platforms that host all these different voices. It's not about Joe Rogan. Okay. I mean, and, and for example, that's a great example of what I can and cannot get behind or why I'm doing this. Joe Rogan speaks, and most of the time, I'm sort of cringing because you know me, Corey, I live at the intersection of the law, legislation, precedent of parliament, all that sort of good stuff. And then, you know, I mix it all in with what I think we need as not only Western Canadians, but what we need as a change for this country. So when I listen to Joe Rogan, especially his advice on what you should be taking during COVID, I just wanted to pull my hair out. Um, but would I ever get behind anything that makes it difficult for him to have his voice heard in this country? No, the same can be said about many of the far left groups that I have to listen to, or even the, or even the hosts that I listen to on the mainstream media that have significantly changed in the last few weeks especially out here in Western Canada. I can't even believe what I'm listening to sometimes, but it's important to scream at your radio. It's important to have, a, a, you know, to fight, to get up and feel that feeling that you want to hear, your, have your voice heard. You want to be able to match it. You want to be able to duel with people on it and you want to be able to debate the issues that are at hand. Here's what the Trudeau liberals will tell you. This is a bunch of conservatives that want to prop up the right-wing agenda. Nope. What this is, is this conservative, and I'm sure you as well, Corey, I know you as well, many of the people we know, many of the people we've worked with, everybody's going to stand arm-in-arm -arm with NDPers, liberals. It doesn't matter. 
The point is you will not on my watch have your rights reduced. You will not lose your right to freedom of expression. I will not say freedom of speech because that's not a Canadian term, but freedom of expression is you will not lose constitutional rights. Government creep under Trudeau has become a significant crisis of democracy against a democracy in this country. And I'm not afraid to say it anymore. Yeah, well, and this is a solution looking for a problem. Like, is the people pointing, oh, we've got to stop misinformation or hate? Well, hang on. We've already got legislation. If I was spreading hate or inciting violence or hatred or slandering somebody, there's all sorts of legal recourse that I'll be subjected to that I'm going to pay some consequences for, for acting like that, you know, for inciting. Warren Kinsella, the pundit, is a prime example of the king of the watchdogs on, you know, be careful what you say. Nobody has lost their ability to sue somebody or to contact the police. You even look at Twitter now. The reality is this is simply... Trudeauisms. This is a Trudeau policy. This is he's trying to change the culture of the country. And I think at a time where Canadians are sort of stopping dead in their tracks, saying, wait a second, there's lots of things going on where this country is trying is being pulled in several directions. Parents have their own concerns. Uh, you know, you know, the, the rights of a few have outnumbered the rights of the whole. And I don't understand what the end game is into attacking media the way that he has. I mean, I, I, the way that things have gone from Bill C-11, they have been absolutely a gigantic, enormous failure. We've had failures on the foreign policy stage. Canada tripped, fell on its face, and the whole country tried not, or the whole world tried not to laugh. The other part to this is he talks about freedom of expression and everybody having a right to an opinion, everybody having a right, uh, having the right to say what they want to say, but in fact, Trudeau has worked very hard at limiting the avenues for you, for people like yourself, Corey, or anyone else to be able to express that opinion. And, uh, you know, the, the legislation, uh, C-11 and its sister and companion legislation have but crippled and killed the Canadian media industry. The only group that's surviving is the CBC, I recommend your your uh, your viewers and and those who follow you on Twitter and your readers go and check out the release of the CBC's uh, ombudsman's annual report about the CBC and their rebuttal. You'll see the losses in there. You'll see the complaints in there. If that's our if that's our you know our media of record in this country, we are up the creek without a paddle, Corey. Yeah, and the CBC is, is, is just gotten terrible. I, I, I mean, they've always had a leftward lean. That's nothing new. That was around since the 80s when I grew up. But it's tilted in this last 10 years to a point that it, it, it truly has become a government organ. And I know the reporters chafe every time I call them people working for the state broadcaster. But until they can start demonstrating otherwise, I, 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 this is no longer even slightly an independent news outlet any longer. And it's costing us a fortune. I think everybody has a dog in this fight. If you're mad at the CBC, this is a great way to jump in and, and raise your voice again. But what I'm really here to say is that forget about the, the little schoolyard scraps that you've had maybe with, uh, you know, you don't like Trudeau, you, the trucker, you know, the trucker's convoy wasn't a schoolyard scrap. It, it's sort of part hand in glove with some of this stuff. But, you know, this is the real, this is the big kahuna. This is the one piece of 
of regulation, which should have come through legislation, because there's a piece of the constitution that requires, if he's going to search for more money through taxation, whatever, that requires him to go through parliament and then have it passed obviously through the Senate. He hasn't done that. What he's done is he's manipulated and interfered with what is supposed to be an independent regulatory body in Canada. I'm not surprised, nothing stops him, but this is an absolute overreach and creep into your fundamental rights for freedom of expression and your and 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 your basic civil liberties. You can do this country, you don't look at what the CRTC released. Look at what they've said in the last six months. And there's been many good writers uh, that have come out and written on this today. There's a gentleman by the name of Peter Menzies, who I know you know, Corey. He's a former vice chair at the CRTC. He had a brilliant uh, step-by-step on it today. Uh, I I call it sort of the cheat sheet uh, of why this is problematic. This is, as it sits today, this isn't going to be the end of it. This is just one piece to it. And the hearings start in November, which is a really short shift for most regulatory hearings. I mean, you know, Corey, it's normally 12 to anywhere to a year you know, uh, scheduling of that. This time, it's only four weeks before the hearings start. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and whether or not that's broadcasted for all of us to see. But to make no mistake, this is just the beginning. And, or maybe it's the middle, Corey. I'm not so sure, but it's definitely not the end. And this is not about a fight with the CBC. You can have that. I'm right there with you. This is not about disliking Trudeau. This is about your rights being infringed upon. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a good note to leave off on. And I'm sure we'll have to discuss this further. And again, as it develops, as we see the hearings and things like that, it's definitely the beginning of a new phase of control. And it's a very dangerous one. I mean, at this point, we can oppose and speak up and push back however we can. But we kind of got to wait now to see how it's going to unfold. So I, I appreciate you coming on to talk to us today about this because I don't think enough people understand just how serious this really is and uh, how bad this could really get. So uh, and if I could I- just if I could yeah. just make a quick note, Corey, I am I have joined an organization that we will go public shortly uh, where we will be fighting um, and exposing uh, the, the concerns and the issues and the legal issues around this type of regulation. And I'm very proud. I I'm jumping the gun a bit here, but I want your viewers to know that, um, that this is something that I believe in so wholeheartedly as a Canadian that we, I, I I'm now going to devote my time to this group. It's a, it's a very early stages, but it will be people that, you know, who are going to join forces, no matter who they vote for, what partisan world they live in, what they do for a living. The people that I've spoken to and the people that will be that have joined the group are very concerned about this encroachment of our rights. And it's and and this particular piece that has come out with the CRTC was not the beginning. It was the final straw for so many. So hopefully, Corey, we can keep you updated. Uh, I know we're here to we're here to support you too. You're one of the hardest working guys in media. And I just really appreciate you giving me the opportunity today to express how how problematic this is and how serious this is. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys put together because we need that opposition. So quickly, before I let you go, where can people find you on, I guess, uh, X or, you know, formerly Twitter and, and other areas to to keep track when things do start uh, unfolding from you? 
They might remember me as formerly at Gracie style. Um, unfortunately, as I left Twitter, I lost that. Somebody else has that, so don't follow it. I'm Milzy Elise. Not the greatest name. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. All of my socials are open for anyone to follow and to join or to request. Um, and I will uh, be be putting forward on Twitter uh, the website of of our of, of what this group will be. We're still trying to give it a name. It's a little bit of a ragtag group right now, but we're hoping that we'll be able to uh, really get in there and influence public opinion in the sense of why you need to pay attention to this. So yeah, come and follow me on Twitter and uh, enjoy the ride. It's getting feisty in there. And uh, as Corey knows, I'm watching Corey's account and always ready to back you and jump in at a moment's notice, but you rarely need it. <laughs> That's my favorite playground. All right. Well, again, I appreciate the work you're doing and you're coming on today, Elise. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk again about this soon and I look forward to what's coming up. Thank you so much, Corey. You take care. Great. Thank you. So that was Elise Mills. And yes, you can look her up on social media. Again, Google's great. You know, we're still allowed to use it in Canada for now anyways. And you can find the the, the Twitter account, the newer one, and other such things as that. Uh, as she said, this is just warming up. It really is. And I wanted to talk about it because I don't, I, I think most of the viewers on here understand. You know, we are plugged in people. You guys are already alternative media watchers. But unfortunately, a whole lot of our Canadians, these will see independent media disappearing and they won't notice. They won't realize that all the alternatives disappeared somewhere. They, they went away. Like Mills mentioned Joe Rogan, for example. Rogan doesn't care what Trudeau thinks. Doesn't care what Canada thinks. He doesn't have to. But if enough complaints, see, that's what they do. Like I was talking about with Howard Stern. If they flood the CRTC with complaints about Rogan, the CRTC will contact Spotify, who will have had to register in Canada. And they say, look, you've got to block Rogan from Canadian IPs. You are not allowed to stream that here any longer. Or we will block you from Canada altogether. This is the game that's going on. I know it's a game of whack-a-mole. People say, just resist. You know what? Spotify won't resist. They'll say, screw it. We'll either block Rogan or they'll pull out of Canada. We're going to lose either way. They, they are not going after me directly. They're not going after the heavyweights like Rogan directly. They're going after the hosts. And it could be effective. And it's dangerous. So, yeah, don't let the liberals tell you this is nothing to worry about. It's a lot to worry about. Okay, I was going to do something different. Like I said, I get all sorts of feedback. I get all sorts of emails, uh, you know, messages, tweets, and things at me. This one was a beauty, though. It came in the other day in response to one of my columns. So I'm just going to read it verbatim, aside from the gentleman's full name or a phone number he even included within it, because uh, it, it's a good discussion point. So here we go. Corey, your article drips with disdain. What a pompous ass you are. Why not start by reading Gabor Mate's book, Hungry Ghosts? You might actually learn something. Give me a call at blah, blah, blah. If you're too cheap to buy a copy and too unimaginative or too lazy to know how to get one, I'll buy you one myself. Your hatred is contagious, but you knew that. That's the point of the digital rag that you work for. As a Canadian famous, uh, famous Canadian songwriter once sang, you're living for nothing now, hope you're keeping some kind of record. In other words, if metaphors are too abstract for you, get a life. Mark. It's ironic, after that little spew that he could call me pompous. I kiss my ass, Mark. But either way, what was he so worked up about? What was he ticked off with me about? I mean, people get mad at me all the time. That's nothing new. Well, in this case, in the book he's talking about, I'm familiar with it, it's basically one of the Bibles for the addiction enablement cult. And it's a cult. 
It really is, is getting to that point. It's, a, it's from a doctor talking about if we could just pump enough clean drugs into our junkies, they'll start surviving. They won't. It's failing. And that's why these cultists are getting so vitriolic. That's why they sit down and type up such a beauty like Mark did for me there. Because it's not working. We're seeing on the West Coast, addiction numbers are going through the roof. They get all the free drugs they want. What do they do? They take the drugs from there and then they sell those on the street and create more addicts because the existing addicts can't get enough of a high from that. And then they go buy more of the crappy street drugs. It doesn't work. It's ideological pap. But that's still what dominates a lot of policy. Here in Calgary, it seems like an almost daily thing. We hear, and I'm sure in most cities, another stabbing on our LRT system, on our train system. Yep, another stabbing right on the train. I mean, they had flare gun fights in our train stations here in Calgary. And people, oh, they're displaced from high rent. No, they aren't. They're junkies. Let's quit sugarcoating this. They're addicts. And they need help. They do need empathy. We do want to help them. But they don't belong in our bloody train system. They don't belong in our stations. They don't belong in the buses. They are dangerous. They aren't harmless. This is some of the crap these guys feed us too. They're just harmless. They're diseased. No, they aren't. They're stabby. We've got the numbers. So what do we get from this clown, one of our city councillors, and every city has councillors like this too, Courtney Walcott. Because we had another report that came out recently showing with our safe consumption centre in Calgary is anything but. Maybe it's a little safer from some of the addicts who hang around in there and consume their drugs, but it's made the entire residential district around it unsafe for everybody else. They are dealing with high crime. They can't leave anything out for a second. There was a local citizen talking on the news the other day saying, I'm afraid when I open my door, I'll be greeted with somebody with a knife. And it does happen. It has happened down there. And what does Courtney Walcott say, our counselor in Calgary? How do we deal with that? Well, we need more safe consumption centers. That's literally what he said. You've got the evidence right in front of your privileged face. And yes, you're privileged, Courtney. Showing that these centers aren't helping that they're causing more damage to the citizens than they are aiding. And your solution is to ignore what these citizens who are enduring this and suffering through this are asking about it, what they're complaining about, and say what we need is more of this. How about this, Courtney? Would you like one next to your house? Come on. Put your money where your mouth is. Invite it. Have a halfway house on one side of your place because you probably support the pathetic bail system we have and parole system and have a drug consumption center on the other side. Let's see how it goes for you. You won't do that, will you? You don't ride transit, do you? No, 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 no. You drive to City Hall to your secured underground parking, warm, heated. You never have to deal with the ruffians out there. You don't have to ride that train, step over the puke, smell the piss. That's not your problem. But you will lash out if anybody dares to question the orthodoxy of the enablement cult. Because again, it's a cult. See, there's ideologies, there's things when you're getting to a point where, okay, you'll finally admit it was wrong, it failed, it isn't working, and you'll back off. But when you completely and consistently ignore the facts right in front of your face, that it isn't working, you're in a cult. <laughs> Nothing is going to change your mind. The only thing I can see changing Courtney Walcott's mind, or Mark's mind, this ass clown who sent me this little beauty of an email, is actually dealing with it face-to-face. -face. But they talk from their comfortable suburban homes. And, you know, Paradox, he's saying, you're so right, I refuse to take transit. And yeah, those who can afford to refuse to take transit are refusing to take transit. Unfortunately, there's a lot of students who have to get to school. There's a lot of seniors 
that they can't drive, they have to take transit to get around, doctor's appointments, things like that. There are single mothers going out to get groceries. They don't have the funds to take Uber everywhere they're going, or single fathers. There's people who have to take transit. And how fair is it to make them sit in that, deal with that? These people who are working, these people who are paying their taxes, these people that are following the laws, and we're bending over backwards, enabling and facilitating the scumbags who are breaking the laws, who are stabbing people, who are robbing people. It's not working, guys. Look at the states and some of those cities in Philadelphia, some of those mass robberies going on. The, 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 the enablement is just a catastrophe. Stores are shutting down because the law won't follow through and charge them. In Calgary, we don't even check people for fares when they get on the train. It's an honor system. Uh, Councillor Dan McLean, one of the few common sense councillors in City Hall, talked about that. said, why don't we secure our station so people have to buy a ticket before getting on the train? Seems simple enough. You know what? And I love it because Calgarians, Ninchi used to love saying, we need to be a world-class city. Guess what? World-class cities secure their transit systems. They have turnstiles. They have people there. They make sure that people get on a train paid their fare. And people say, well, what, what, what difference would that make? Well, do you think the guy who pissed himself sitting in the middle of the train screaming at the ceiling with the shopping cart bought a ticket? Do you think the guy... I bet you the fellow who stabbed somebody the other day or one of the other dozens of people have been stabbing people on trains lately and in bus shelters and spots like that. Do you think any of them bought a ticket? No, of course not. They have an extra four bucks. They're going to try and turn it into 12 bucks by panhandling or stealing or whatever they're going to do and get more drugs to get their next fix. So if you actually secure the trains, these guys can't get on them. And the innocent commuters who are just trying to get to work, who are just trying to live their life, can do so safely and comfortably, as should be their right. It's not, it shouldn't be asking too much for that. People saying, well, well, it's cold out. Well, then get drug shelters for these guys. The trains aren't shelters. You know, you don't care about the addicts. Yes, I do. That's why I've had many guests on talking about treatment and things like that. But there's places where they belong and places where they don't. They don't belong in a bloody train. It's not unreasonable to ask that that practice stops. Has to stop. They will still be addicts outside of the transit system. They'll still be criminals probably outside of the transit system, but it'll be one less area where they are traumatizing innocent citizens. What must that have been like to be on the train yesterday in Calgary, the majority of people who are just trying to get around to watch one addict perforate another with a knife. Emergency stop. They all had to exit in an underground tunnel to get off the train. How fair is that? to those who were following the rules, those who were reasonable. So this is how upside down our society's gotten. You're called every name in the book for questioning the enablement cult. And again, it's, it defies common sense so badly, it has to be called a cult. And I'm calling him out and I'll keep calling him out. People on the street see it. Unfortunately, voters don't see it or get off their butts enough to deal with it. People who do live in the suburbs who don't have to ride the train and don't go downtown don't see how bad it's gotten. Hey, good on you. Glad you can avoid it. But please, for the sake of everybody else, have a look and realize that these morons like the Courtney's, there's two Courtney's who are kind of slow on Calgary's council, and uh, Mayor Gondek, and again, this is happening in cities across North America, are wrong. It's getting out of control, and it's intolerable. Now, getting towards the tail end of the show, Terry O'Malley brought up reopen mental hospitals. That's where they belong and they won't endanger your decent people. You know what? That is absolutely true. Uh, the, the, the 
deinstitutionalization movement. I mean, I've talked about that on here before. It's a, a whole, I, I really should. I'm going to look at and see if I can find a guest to really talk about that. Um, because we took this, again, I, I tweeted that the other day. I don't care about how well-meaning somebody's actions are. The outcomes are all that matter. And closing down all of the mental health uh, long-term facilities throughout North America was well-meaning through the 60s and 70s and 80s, but it was a disaster. It was a disaster. People needed long-term facilities to live within. Some people, you just can't treat them. You can't keep them stabilized. And if you put them out into the community as they did, they end up in the streets. They end up harming themselves or others. They end up addicted to other things because they aren't being properly cared for or medicated. And that's how they end up taking other crap like meth or fentanyl. I mean, it doesn't fix things for everybody, but there's a whole lot of people on the streets right now that should be in a facility with long-term care even if they're younger, if they have mental health issues. Face that hard reality. It's not being humane to put them out like that. They can't take care of themselves. And we're seeing that. That's inhumane. People say putting them in a facility like that long-term is inhumane. It is not. And it doesn't have to be. Put aside those visions of an old Victorian Dracula-style mental, uh, you know, mental hospital with uh, people walked in cages and experimented upon and things like that. It doesn't have to be that way. And it hasn't been that way in a while. We just don't have enough space any longer because we're in that weird world of denial, thinking that somehow we can just uh, let them out and they'll be all right. They aren't. They aren't. And everybody's paying the price. Everybody's suffering. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm rough when I talk about the addicts and the people on the streets, but I do feel for them. I mean, those are somebody's children, brothers, cousins, parents. They're people. And they're in dire condition and they're suffering. They're not happy out there. They're not having a good time. When you see them shuffling around covered in sores, their teeth falling out, stealing things, living in fear, sleeping in the alleys. No, no, they're not having a good time at all. And uh, let's, you know, again, that gets back to those enablement people saying, we could sustain the addiction if they would just get clean drugs. Go stuff it. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're just dragging out what is a long and ugly death. They need treatment. They need intervention. And they need to be pulled off the streets. But that's a much bigger discussion altogether, too, uh, along with things like the mental health facilities. But thanks for bringing it up. Um, and yeah, paradoxy, I'll, I'll leave off on that note. Uh, commenter saying, yep, if the institutions were bad, fix the institution. He's absolutely right. You don't have to throw out the institution. Fix it. And we can do that. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a good show, a good rant. Lots is developing. Lots going on. Be sure to tune in next week at this time. Check out our YouTube channel. Share our stuff, by the way. Pass the censors. Share the Western Standard on all your social media channels. Get other people on board. This is how we can beat these guys. So uh, thank you again. Watch for the pipeline later on tonight. And uh, yeah, I'll see you all again at this time next week. The current Lethbridge feed grain prices for October 4th are as follows. Cash barley's at 340, feed wheat's at 355, and corn's unchanged at 352 per metric ton. In the million wheat markets, December Minneapolis futures lost 11 cents at 7.14, with local hardwood spring bids for October movement at 9.40 per bushel. In the oil seeds, nearby canola futures are down $2.70 at 7.14.70 per ton, with delivered values for October movement at 15.88 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are trading at 36.5 cents a pound, and yellow peas remain at 10.75 per bushel. In the cattle markets, December live cattle gained 55 cents at 186.20 per 100 weight. For more information on grain marketing, call me at 403-394-1711. I'm Sean Smith at Marketplace Commodities. 
accurate real-time marketing information and price. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny.